Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to For the Love of the Game by Aaron Tobin, has powered by Overtime Media. Let's roll. Welcome back, episode 56 for the love of the game, and the countdown to the NFL season is winding down with the Packers and the Bears squaring off. Can't believe the summer's over. I'm officially sad, uh, but here we are. College football season is now officially underway. There were a few exciting games this past weekend, a few awful gambling beats, and a few major upsets. So already the college football season off to a hot, hot start. A few other things before we get into tonight's main topic. Obviously, you probably heard I had to hit you with a little French Montana to get to get the juices going a little bit, get me revved up because... Um, Labor Day has come uh, and passed. Uh, Team USA this morning survived a scare from the Turkish national team in the FIBA tournament, winning 93-92 in overtime. A wild, wild game with many ups and downs, culminating with Turkey missing their last four free throws and Chris Middleton sinking two free throws with 2.1 seconds left to give Team USA the win. Now, as I've said before, this version of Team USA, well, it's been documented a lot how uh, little star power it has. I mean, Kemba Walker, Chris Middleton, and Brooke Lopez are the only players on the team to have made an all-star team so far. But it made, or I should say, but it makes for a tremendous amount of parity in this tournament, um, which makes it really interesting. There have been a few crazy games so far. I mean, Greece, who has the best player in the tournament by far, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, just lost to Brazil in a game where Giannis only took seven shots and only one shot in the fourth quarter. I mean, I fancy myself as a basketball person. I'm not necessarily sure I can coach, but I definitely know the game. And here's a little thought. Uh, Maybe having the guy who just won league MVP uh, and right now the holder of the best player in the world, that title belt, how about having him a little bit more involved in the game and him taking more than seven shots? Just, Just a thought. But we'll see how the tournament plays out uh, because the U.S. is definitely not a lock to win. But in order for them to qualify for the Olympics, they only have to finish top seven in the tournament, which I think they should have no problem doing. And uh, it's clear that, as I mentioned before, all the big guns are going to want to play in the Olympics as opposed to the FIBAs. But we'll... uh, It's going to be an exciting tournament. We'll see how everything shakes out. The U.S. Open is now in week two, and there have been a few major shakeups in the men's draw. I've said multiple times on Talking Tennis that the aura of the big three in Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, and Novak Djokovic have loomed large and basically casted a major cloud over the men's field because the gap 
normally between those three guys and the next couple of players is sizable. And that's bared uh, witness in basically every single tournament in the last couple of years. But uh, this U.S. Open, well, not so much. Uh, Novak Djokovic lost to Stan Wawrinka in the fourth round after dropping the first two sets, and then he retired in the third, citing a shoulder injury. Uh, He's had a little bit of issues with that shoulder throughout the tournament before, but much to dismay of the fans, he uh, he bowed out, and the fans let him hear it by booing him off the court. Listen, I don't love fans that boo guys, especially for an injury, but it does seem that Novak bows out and retires out of matches, especially when things aren't going his way, way more often than, say, a Rafa Nadal or a Roger Federer, which understandably leaves a bad taste in the fans' mouth and gives off this appearance that Novak is can be a little bit of a quitter sometimes and a sore loser. I'm not going to go that far, but I definitely see how you can come to that conclusion. Just, uh, it's kind of a little bit of a tough look, but you know, if, if you can't go, you can't go. And, uh, and good for Stan Wawrinka, uh, to sort of get back to his old self, even if he lost, uh, around later to uh, Medvedev, the um, the young Russian guy. As for Roger Federer, well, he lost in the quarters in five sets and looked really crappy in doing so. So many unforced errors, so sloppy. It came out that his back was bad. I mean, he had that major medical timeout in between the fourth and the fifth set that took about 10 minutes. Um, but he gritted through the match, losing to Grigor Dimitrov, who played really, really well in five sets. It's now really fair to question if this is it for for Federer. Um, I mean, bad back, 38 years old. This run of absolute brilliance and excellence has lasted a long time. And it's lasted way longer than it should have been. And it has had an actual second life. So maybe this past Wimbledon was his last great chance to win that final major after, you know, he lost to Novak Djokovic in the, in the thriller in the final. But maybe that was his last chance to really win one. Who knows? And right now that leaves Rafa Nadal, the last of the remaining big three, who right now would be considered a major overwhelming favorite to win the tournament. Uh, it should be interesting. I mean, people who like parity in sports, this is perfect for you. Uh, We've got new players coming up. Maybe somebody else could squeak through. Uh, But right now, it's Rafa's tournament to lose. As for the women's side, 15-year-old American darling Coco Goff lost to defending champion Naomi Osaka. No shame in that. And then Osaka went on to lose her next match. Uh, Serena Williams, who apparently, I'm the biggest Serena hater alive, which isn't really true, but... So I've been told. Uh, she's been rolling. She absolutely cruised in her last match, uh, winning 6-0-6-1. And those are really the highlights for the women's draw. As always, I always say if Serena's healthy and motivated, she's the overwhelming favorite. So we'll see what happens there. On to baseball. The Yankees are still winning a lot and have a flair for the dramatic. I mean, a couple of comeback wins. James Paxson has really started to turn a corner. I mean, he's been good for the last month, month and a half now, which is would be enormous for the Yankees and their chances in the postseason. They have a lot of guys getting healthy. Severino looks like he may come back. Possibly Betances, Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, they've had 29 players on the IL this year. Insane. 
Um, right now, the biggest thing for them is they need to get home field advantage in the playoffs. I mean, you see what happens when they play at home. The short porch, they take advantage. Got to get home field advantage. That's what they're playing for right now. And then it's about figuring out the postseason roster. There's going to be a lot of guys who have played well for them in major stretches of the season that won't even be on the roster. Giancarlo Stanton, who makes about $30 million a year, may not be on the postseason roster. There's a lot of things that can happen in September, but you know these are champagne problems for the New York Yankees. Get home field advantage. Figure out who's hot going into the postseason. Set your roster accordingly, and let's go win ourselves a World Series. And then there's the Mets. Oh boy, the Mets. The team that I said was the second most dangerous National League playoff team just a week ago. Well, the beauty of sports is that things change super, super fast. As I recorded episode 55, the Mets, who had an ultra-important series against the Cubs when there were just two games behind the Cubs for the second wildcard spot, and they were at home, and the Cubs were on the road, and they've been terrible on the road, well, the Mets proceeded to get swept by the Cubs. Very bad. Very, very bad. But then, the Mets rallied and played well, sweeping the Phillies and winning the first game in the three-game series against the Nationals, two teams that they were chasing. And the Mets still had life, you know, especially the Mets need to win series through, for now on. Uh, sweeps are awesome for the Mets. They need as many sweeps as they can get right now. And that brings us into last night's Mets game. Up 10-4 going into the ninth inning. And they blow the game. Last night was by far the most devastating loss of the season and may have been the nail in the coffin for the Mets this year. I mean, up 10-4 in the ninth and their shitty bullpen, including Edwin Diaz, who has been a disaster all year, a year after he had 57 saves and had a 1.91 ERA in the American League. That guy has been atrocious this year and he was the main trade piece in a deal where they took on salary and gave up a prize prized outfield prospect that Enwood Diaz blows the game for them now it wasn't just him he but he just finished the job and probably finished the Mets this season and of course they won today 8-4 still giving them hope because if they win all of their series for the next couple of weeks through the remaining of the season, they can get to 88 wins. If you're just saying take two of three, three of four winning series, which would keep them in the mix because the Cubs would have to go like 15 and nine and they've got tough games and 15 and nine isn't easy to win 90 games, but it cannot overstate how damaging last night's game was because they had the game in the bag. And if they would have swept the Nationals, that would have given them extra breathing room down the stretch. It, that game was over. And you can fault Mickey Calloway for only leaving in Lugo for nine pitches, uh, one inning. You could have stretched him with the day off coming tomorrow if he needed a pitch today. I understand that logic. I understand Mickey Calloway's logic for trying to save Lugo in case he needed him today because the Mets' bullpen is trash. 
But for the Mets, every game is a must win. So you have to have that mentality going forward. So if Lugo needs to be stretched, now's the time where you need to stretch him. If, you know, guys are going to be tired, if you're going to stretch starters, you're stretching starters. You are emptying the tank because what you did at the deadline by selling your fans that you're going to go for it, and I don't necessarily... I don't hate the move to go for it. I mean, this has been a fun stretch. Yeah, they beat up on bad teams, but it's been a fun stretch. They just took two or three of the Nationals. They just swept the Phillies. These are teams ahead of them. Like, this team is capable, and they're better than they were at the trade deadline. But you gave up a lot, whether it was last offseason in terms of prospects or with this, um, you know, with the Marcus Stroman trade, and not getting a reliever when you really needed a reliever at the trade deadline. No, it, it, it just makes whatever efforts you had seem half-assed. And yeah, Mickey Calloway, it seems to me that he has no idea what he's doing. And that they may have been winning games in spite of Mickey Calloway. Um, and if they don't make the playoffs, he's probably gone. But the front office with this Edwin Diaz trade... It, it, it didn't look good in the offseason, and it looks really bad now because this guy may be shot. Maybe shot in New York. And you could have flipped him at the trade deadline. I understand why they didn't, but you could have flipped him at the trade deadline. Now he has absolutely no value. None. None whatsoever. And if you're going to sell him for 20 cents on the dollar in the offseason just to unload him, well, you still have Cano's contract on the books with a notoriously cheap ownership. And you're going to fire a manager, and you're going to have to hire a manager. I just, it, it's just unfortunate. And the best way to make a manager look worse than he probably is, is for the bullpen not to perform. Because these are 50-50 calls, a lot of them. And the players got to perform. But the Mets bullpen have done them no favors this year. They're, they make Mickey Calloway look even worse than he already is. And it's just unfortunate because I'm a Yankee fan. But I really enjoyed this Mets ride. And they have, for the first time in a while, position players, young position players to be excited about. Like, there's a lot of good going on with the Mets. They have one of the three best pitchers in the league. They have Alonzo, McNeil, J.D. Davis, Rosario. They got position players. They've got Noah Syndergaard still, who's like 24 years old, who seems to have turned a corner. He had a great start this week against the Nationals. They have stuff here, but it's just the, the, the front office can't get out of its own way sometimes. It's like one f- step forward, one step back. A- and it just stinks because... You know, the city really was was getting excited, and everybody was eating it up, and and it just sucks that last night seemed to have been the nail in the coffin. And again, it's not completely done, because if they can get a couple of sweeps here and, you know, win series 88-89 wins, that may get them a chance to be in the mix for the second wildcard spot. But... They're, it's a tall task. I mean, they still have the Dodgers coming into town. They still play good teams ahead of them. And the Mets have been in games against good teams. 
It's just this bullpen is going to destroy it for them. And I've been saying that the Mets could and would make the playoffs. I've been more bullish than anybody else. But this bullpen, it's stretched thin. It's just been bad. And it just stinks. So last night was just absolutely devastating. I mean, people went to bed thinking the Mets had it in the bag. They woke up this morning and they wanted to throw their iPhones, throw their iPads, whatever they did to check the scores. And it just stinks. And I, and I feel bad for Mets fans. And with that said, we're going to jump into tonight's conversation. We're going to do a little NFL pick em, uh, talking about a couple of games to uh, our best bets uh, with a recurring guest in just a moment. Okay, uh, it's that time of year again, NFL season right around the corner. Um, so we have, uh, I should say, I have an exciting recurring guest on, his second go-around, Mr. Ira Silver. Ira, what's good? Hey, what's going on, Aaron? How you doing? All is good. All is good. So I wanted to have you on because obviously we um, we did this before last season. We talked a little bit about the Super Contest. You have something exciting uh, going on in the world of fantasy sports, which we're going to get to in a second. But before we get into that, I want to talk about um, obviously sports betting has uh, – taken on a mind of its own already, or I should say recently. It's become way more mainstream. A lot of people are are into it. So for those who are betting NFL, which is the biggest sport to bet in uh, in the country, what should the bettors look out for in terms of week one? Because obviously there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of, you know, it, it's the first week of the season. So what are certain things that bettors should look out for to best make their picks? Well, what I like to do in week one, uh, particularly in NFL, is I like to look at and, and listen to a lot of talking heads and hear a lot of different opinions. But what I like to look for is who is basically, who, who is the general public hyped on, right? So if you take a, an example here, week one, I'd say that probably one of the most hyped teams, if not the most hyped team this season, is the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I like to do in week one is I generally like to fade those types of picks, especially if you're in some sort of contest or something like that. Go, go against the grain of what everyone else is doing. Um, and obviously see if there's any re- overreactions looking forward. And on top of that, um, in the summertime, right before the summertime, um, you know, right after NFL season ends, uh, the CG technology releases its lines for every single week of NFL season. So you can kind of gauge as to what the bookmakers were thinking, you know, a few months back and what the bookmakers are thinking today based on free agency, trade, injuries, and so on and so forth to kind of make a intelligent decision, um, you know, if any line moves and for what reason, and you can kind of put that together into, uh, you know, into your pot of soup to make the, to make the, uh, to make the decision and to, to figure out what, what could be an advantage and what's a disadvantage. And like I said, I, I generally like to see what the hype teams are and see if there's any value in those lines. Now, one of the major trends that has happened over the last couple of years is the uh, concept of the home dog, right? The uh, the home team that's an underdog that has performed really, really well against the spread. Obviously, it's performed well over the over seasons, but is that really a trend that you should be taking a look at week, as early as week one, or do you have to let that sort of play out in you know after the first three or four weeks? 
I think it's a trend you can you can uh, you can go with in week one. I don't hate it. It's actually a couple of my picks, a couple of my picks for the super contest, which I guess we'll get into in a minute here. But uh, are the home dog? Uh, I really think that if you can find a way to get value from a team that may not be as bad as everyone thinks they are, they're home, they're getting points. I generally like to take a, a deeper look at that, and uh, one of my favorites this week uh, would be the Jacksonville Jaguars at home catching four points from the Kansas City Chiefs. Gotcha. Okay, so let's jump right in. Okay, so we're each going to give uh, five picks in the Vegas Super Contest. I'm not going to be in the contest, but I, uh, I'm running a, a sort of – I have a blog where I do my, my picks. Last year, uh, I was about 64%, so I had a pretty decent year. How would you do last year before we, we get started? Uh, I think I picked at about 55 56%. I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but um, I was a little disappointed. I had a couple of bad weeks where uh didn't do so well, but overall I felt good about my strategy and uh, my game theory selection. So hopefully it'll be better this year. Hopefully I'll finish in the top 10 and cash some big money and hopefully win uh, first place. That would be nice. That would be awesome. Okay, so uh, your first selection um – you know, your top five picks. Obviously, I think you just alluded to it. You said Jacksonville. Uh, you got the line at four, correct? We'll go off the uh, Vegas Super Contest lines Lines at four? Yeah, well, the, yeah, for everyone that doesn't know, the Super Contest releases its lines the week before. I believe it's on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And they're, they become static lines, so they don't change. They mm-hmm. release their lines on Wednesday, uh, and then you have an opportunity to go ahead and make those picks throughout the week. You know, and sometimes there's value in lines on, on uh, before you can before you have the deadline to submit based on injuries or someone you know getting suspended and things of that nature. Um, so I'm working off the static lines because that's generally what I'm going to be using to um, you know basically because they have the Thursday game as well. Mm-hmm. So basically, I'm going to go ahead and look at those static lines and I'm going to make a decision, see if there's any value in those lines, and see if any of those lines have a discrepancy and maybe take the opposite. Gotcha. Okay, so your first selection, you like Jacksonville um, against the Chiefs. Jacksonville is uh, four-point underdogs. Yeah, I'm going to take Jacksonville here as a four-point dog at home. Uh, I'm just going to take my chances against uh, second-year Mahomes. He, I think, in my opinion, I mean, he's a great quarterback. Nothing, not taking away anything from him. Uh, but at the same time, you got a great defense at home. Uh, you have a NFL. Super Bowl MVP quarterback leading the Jags, Jags this year. Uh, and I just think that there's going to be a little bit of a regression on Mahomes. And also, uh, you know, anytime you have an opportunity to take a great defense at home getting points, I'd rather roll the dice on that side. Interesting. Um, I, I, it definitely follows the logic of taking the home underdog. Uh, just so you know, I'm looking at the ESPN uh, scores page. And uh, the line has moved down to KC minus three and a half. So obviously we see a lot of sharp betters are on Jacksonville. I'm to me that's a little bit of a stay away. I just I don't know. Mahomes makes me super nervous. Uh, my first pick is I'm gonna take the the uh, the Thursday night game. I like the Bears minus three. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has not played at all in the preseason. I think that there's been a little bit of backlash on the Bears that, saying that there's they are going to be the NFC team that regresses the most. Uh, I don't see it. I think Trubisky is a little bit better than people give him credit for. I love their defense, 
And, you know, Rodgers hasn't had snaps, and it's going to take him a little while to get uh, a little bit to get going. I don't think he's going to be sharp. And as much as people say that the Packers improved this uh, offseason, I just I like the Bears. I, I like the Bears to repeat as NFC North champions, and I like them hosting uh, Thursday night, even though Aaron Rodgers over the years has given the Bears absolute fits. Okay, number two. Well, can I just make a point there? Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. I'm, say, I'm just going to make a comment on your on your analysis here. So number one, on top of the, uh, uh, off the bat, the static line in the Super Contest is Bears minus three and a half. Mm. So I get what you're saying at the three point, but um, I'm, I'm high. I, I agree with you. I'm high on the Bears as well. I love David Montgomery. I love that addition in the backfield. I think he's a beast. I think he's going to tear it up. I think Mitchell Trubisky is going to come into more of his own this year. Um, but this is a stay away game for me, especially at three and a half. Um, even at three, I think it's a stay away game for me. I just think division rivalry, Packers could pull it off. It's going to be a close game. So that one's just a stay away game for me. And, um, on, and just to piggyback off the Thursday night game, another strategy in the super contest is stay away from the Thursday night game. Yeah, you shouldn't really be picking Thursday night games. So, you, you know, it gives you time to see line movements and injuries up until the Saturday deadline to submit. I believe it's 11 a.m. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of bucking the trend here. Um, I, I, I guess, you know, week one Thursday night, I think, is a little bit different because everybody's, you know, starting fresh. So I just like the Bears. I don't know what it is. Um, I hear you on that. I, I get that. I totally get that. So who you got? Who's your second um, your your second selection? My second selection is going to be what we touched upon earlier: is the over the hype Cleveland Browns. I'm going to go opposite. I'm going mm. to take the Tennessee Titans on the road uh, at Cleveland, getting five and a half. I think this Browns team uh, is inexperienced. I think they're going to be good. Don't get me wrong. I just think that we're not betting teams here. you got to understand, we're betting lines, right? I think at five and a half points, it's way too much. It's too rich for me on the Brown side. I think Mariota is going to play well now that he actually has a real backup behind him in Tannehill. Um, I think Corey Davis is going to come into his own. And then, obviously, you got the, the bowling ball, Derek Henry and Deion Lewis in the backfield, a little fun, new, new age thunder and lightning. So, for me, and the Titans defense is south. So for me, I'm going to go with the Titans on the road against the Cleveland Browns plus five and a half. I am with you. I had that game circled as my second one as well. I have the Titans uh, plus five and a half. Uh, my logic is, and I have the Titans have won nine games the last three years. I actually have the under on the Titans season win totals, as I spoke about last episode. I just think this Cleveland thing is going to take a little bit of time to, you know, really figure out. I like the Browns to win. I don't like them to win by five and a half. Exactly. I will agree with that. I like the Browns to win. I think the Tennessee Titans, I don't think they're going to cover five and a half. That's my, that's what I I agree with you on that. So number three. My third pick in the super contest is going to be Monday night. It's going to be the Raiders at home minus two and a half against the Denver Broncos and old man Joe Flacco. Nice. I think that I think that uh, I think that Oakland is is uh, better than everyone thinks they're going to be. 
Uh, John Gruden, I like him as a coach, camaraderie. I think that uh, Denver is not going to be that good. And anytime you get the Raiders at home, they have huge home field advantage. And I think that the Raiders on Monday Night Football at home minus two and a half is a uh, very solid pick. Interesting. Uh, just so you know, the um, on ESPN, the line moved to even as a pick So I guess in terms of going the other way, I don't know. I mean, I, I, the Raiders make me so nervous. I, I don't know what to make of them. I'm trying not to bet a single Raider game the entire year. Uh, my third... <laughs> My third that happened to me last year. I swore him off, but we're, it's week one, so we're back on it. <laughs> we're back on it. My third one is um, Miami plus six and a half uh, against the Ravens. Miami's really bad. Don't get me wrong. It's really bad. But uh, the inclement weather uh, in South Florida this coming weekend, it may be an issue. I just don't see a lot of points being scored. So I'm going to try and grab the points, uh, the home underdog, Miami plus six and a half. I don't hate it. Fitzmagic has had some time to recover from the offseason. He's always good in week one. I don't hate the pick. I, it, it's just, yeah, Fit, Fitzpatrick did the, you know, does this everywhere he's been. Like the first four weeks, he looks like, oh my God, this guy is going to be great. And then he... Tails off, and he stinks because he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. But for those four weeks, it's he has that Fitz magic thing going, and it's just weird. But so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride it this weekend, it, and I don't anticipate either team being able to really throw the ball. If if the winds are gonna be as bad as they're gonna be, I think it's gonna be a low scoring game. So I'm gonna take uh, plus six and a half. I don't hate it. I'm seeing four and a half, but uh, I don't. I still don't hate it at four and a half. All right. So uh, pick number four. Pick number four is going to be the Indianapolis Colts on the road against the Chargers plus three. I'm going to take the Colts here. I think that uh, I'm from L.A. I don't don't know if you know anything about L.A., Aaron, but uh, it's hard to find a a fan of the Los Angeles Chargers. There's real no home field advantage for them Uh, or even the Rams. And they, 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 you know, they're Super Bowl contenders again this year. Last year, I, I couldn't even find a Rams fan if I tried. So, you know, you talk about L.A., not huge diehard football fans. We didn't grow up with them. I didn't grow up with a football team here. Uh, it's not like Boston and New York where everyone's diehard. I mean, you go to the Charger game, 60% of the field is wearing the other team's jersey. So I'm going to go with the Colts here. I think that uh, there's going to be a little bit overreaction. I don't think the Chargers are as good, and I don't think the Colts are as bad as everyone thinks with uh, Brissett in there. I'm going to go with the Colts on the road plus three. It's funny. Stale line. It's funny you stay, say that about LA fans. I mean, our our buddy Rob Carpellis seems to be like a born again Rams fan. I mean, he was a Giants fan three years ago, but whatever. Um, we can uh, rib him about that, and and he can come on the show to uh, to defend himself there. But yeah, I I mean, I, I spent three weeks in uh in february in la it's just not a good sports town it's a great city don't get me wrong i love los angeles but it's not a good sports town unless it's a unless you're a laker fan or or the dodgers fans are 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 legit um but yeah la la is a little weird like that and and the chargers notoriously had no fans at their at their home games last year so i like that but I, i didn't pick that one my I also, also, Aaron, just to touch on that one more, one more thing here. 
you know, you're going to find more Raiders fans here than Chargers and Rams fans combined. And at the end of the day in the Super Contest, you know, the line is stale. So it really hasn't moved from three points. So if, if I mean, sorry, it's six and a half. So it's it, it moved three and a half points. So if the Colts pull out a victory or cover here, I'm basically going to take uh, basically a game and a half away from everybody in the field in the Super Contest. So I'm going the opposite way. I'm not going on the line here. The line moved the other way. I'm not taking advantage of it. I'm going to go on the other side of it and take the Colts to try to gain a whole. It's almost like gaining a game and a half in the Super Contest. Interesting. So. I did not. I did not realize that. Um, that that's that's definitely good to know. And and in week one, I feel like you can definitely take that risk. It's worth it because you have all the whole season to make up for it. Exactly. You have the whole season to make up for it. And if I just lose that, I'm only down a game. But if I win it, it's like winning a game and a half. Interesting. I, I did not know that caveat. I like that. But my fourth selection, I'm actually going to go against trends here. Um, the Los Angeles Rams are traveling to the Carolina Panthers. Um, the Rams are minus, I see, two and a half. What was the line that you saw for the Rams game? The Rams game, I see. The Rams are minus three on the road in Carolina. Minus, minus three on the road. Well, the two and a half is juicier than three. But even with three, I would take the Rams. Uh, I know traveling west to east is always dicey. Um, I understand the home underdog uh, element to it. But... I personally believe that this Rams team is the class of the NFC still. Uh, I know they had they lost in the Super Bowl, and teams after losing in the Super Bowl are not necessarily as strong the following year. But I don't love this Panthers thing. I'm not sure what the deal with Cam Newton is this week. Um, I just like the Rams. I don't hate it. I mean, especially we don't know what's going on with Cam Newton and his, uh, his injury. Um, there's not really a proven receiver on the team. Their defense is a little banged up as well. Uh, could be a hangover with the Rams, but I think they're going to be in form, and I, I, I'll agree with you. It's, it's a stay-away game for me, but if I had to lean, I would lean Rams. And uh, last but not least, uh, your fifth pick to round out your Super Contest Week 1 selections. You know, I had a lot of trouble picking the fifth game here, um, and it'll probably change um, before I have to actually submit my picks, but... If I had to pick one more game right now, I'm going to go with the Cardinals at home getting two and a half against the Detroit Lions. Uh, I think that Kyler Murray is going to be better than people think. I think the Lions are going to be awful this year. I just think that, you know, I'm a huge Matthew Stafford fan, and I just think the guy is done, washed up. You look at his stats last year, wasn't so great at all, not even close to his career numbers. Uh, I'm just going to go with the Cardinals here at home, catching two and a half, uh, and roll the dice. Really? You're a Matthew Stafford fan? I didn't realize that there were Matthew Stafford fans out there. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm the only Matthew Stafford fan in the United States, but uh, outside of Detroit. But I just, you know. I Maybe even in college. Detroit. He's a gunslinger. Yeah, that's true, too. But he's a gunslinger. I like his style. You know, he's kind of got the little Philip Rivers moxie. But uh, at the same time, uh, I used to be a big fan of his, took him in fantasy every year. Last year was just not so great. So I'm going to go with he's on the decline. Tyler Murray and the new coach are on the, uh, you know, they're, they're on the upswing. And I'm going to roll with them and David Johnson and see what happens. Interesting. So I'm picking, uh, I'm picking between two games. Um, 
Speaking of Matthew Stafford, I think Matthew Stafford 2.0, a quarterback that has the potential to put up big stats but ultimately not win you anything, much to the chagrin of Jets fans everywhere, is um, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, to me, screams Matthew Stafford 2.0. I don't say that as a compliment. But having said that, (laughs) I'm deciding between two games. I'm deciding between the Jets minus three at home against the Bills, or the other one I'm looking at is Seattle minus nine and a half against the Bengals uh, at home. And I'm going to take Seattle minus nine and a half because I have a rule, don't bet on the Jets ever. So we're going to stay there. Um, Seattle minus nine and a half against the Bengals. I think the Bengals may be the worst team in the league. Um, and Seattle at home, and I've always had this, this sort of crush on Russell Wilson. Um, Jadavian Clowney's in there now. I like Seattle minus nine and a half. I'm a little nervous that it's a, that it's a big number, but I just think the Bengals are really, really bad. Uh, and I like Seattle. Well, there's a good, uh, that's a good uh, line for you because on the Super Contest, it's Seattle minus eight. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. All right. So, um, so to re, so to recap, uh, I my five are as I just mentioned: Seattle, the Rams, the Dolphins, the Titans, and the Bears. And you have just so we're clear: the the Titans, the the Jaguars, the Colts, the Colts, the Cardinals, and the Raiders. You got it. Sounds ugly. Well, it, it, it's never pretty, but somehow it, it sometimes it, it works itself out. So the main reason I wanted to have you on, um, because I know you're a big fantasy sports guy and, and uh, you know, football fantasy sports is huge, but you and a couple of partners have come up with a little bit of a twist uh, to daily fantasy, uh, moving away from the FanDuel DraftKings model. Um, your website, which uh, I actually have in front of me right now, looks pretty good right now, um, overlaydfs.com. So Overlay Daily Fantasy Sports. Um, tell me a little bit about the concept, how you came up with, uh, with the concept, and why somebody would choose you, um, you know, someone who has limited funds for, for Daily Fantasy, uh, would choose Overlay as opposed to the Giants and DraftKings and FanDuel. Well, I mean, listen, uh, first of all, our game is just a lot of fun. That's number one. Uh, you know, second of all, you know, for anybody that's played on DraftKings and FanDuel, it, you know, it's really difficult to win. You know, there's uh, a lot of sharks. They're inputting hundreds of lineups. And, you know, you spend a few hours, maybe a couple of days, constructing your roster based on a salary cap. And in the first five minutes of NFL kickoff, you're already out of it. Our game's a little different. Our game is a so we have a couple different types of games. It's the concept of our game is a start sit format, right? We all know what the start sit you know questions are every week. People on forums, hey, who would you start? Who would you sit on my fantasy team? Start LaShawn McCoy or sit Russell Wilson? What should I do? You know things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think here what we did was we tried to incorporate. Um, the start sit format into a game where everyone can have a lot of fun um, and you're never out of it. You're always sweating it. So because, 
so with the twenty with the progressive jackpots, we started it at twenty five thousand dollars for NFL Week One, and you know you have matchups that are just a lot of fun and very cool. Um, if you go a perfect twelve and zero, you know you get you win the, the progressive jackpot, which we started at twenty five thousand um, dollars. Users are going to create a lineup of ten or twelve players plus three alternate players, you know, that they want to start versus the players they want to sit on the head-to-head matchups that we present. Um, the alternates are there for inactive. So if someone's a late scratch to a basketball game or a late scratch to a baseball game or a late scratch to a football game, the alternate picks will, will be bumped up into their, into their um, um, team and go ahead and remove the other one, Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then users will give their selections based on a tiebreaker point ranging from one to 10 points. 10 is a sign to pick you the best and most confident uh, pick that you have between your matchups and going all the way down to one. Um, so the tiebreakers come into effect when let's say if it's a 12 game, 12 game slate, you go, uh, you know, nine and three, my confidence ranking is, you know, 27 and the other guys is 26. Well, I'm ahead of him. Right. So that's why the confidence points are there. So, um, so for so for week one NFL, how do you guys do the scoring in terms of, you know, how how many points you could in terms of winning a matchup? Right. What are what are the stats? How do you guys score the stats in terms of winning the matchup? And the second question is, how did you guys come up with, you know, the head to head matchups? Is it is it strictly like, uh, a back? You know, um an inner team thing? I mean, how'd you guys come up with the, um, with the idea of how to put together the matchups? Well, basically what happened was we had a, you know, we were playing this game just kind of as a side thing every week. Um, me and my partners, we would, you know, put a little extra in, into the pod and we would all, we would have these matchups. We would create these lines and we would say, all right, uh, this is my team versus your team. And, and basically the same exact game, but we would just do it between three and five players and every week. And we had a lot of fun, and then we just came up with the idea, like, this is way more fun than FanDuel and DraftKings. So we decided to go ahead and build this app, and it's just so much fun. So, like, for instance, um, and it's, it's all based, uh, very, it's very similar to DK and FanDuel scoring in terms okay. of the scoring system. So there's, not, there's nothing new in terms of the scoring system. It's basically the same. Um, but basically what we did was, we let's say like for NFL Week One, if you look at the matchups in our progressive twenty-five thousand um, dollars contest, you know you have Tom Brady versus Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Sunday Night Football. You got Le'Veon Bell in a grudge match versus James Conner. You have James White versus Sony Michelle. You know you just got to pick between those matchups. Who do you like? And who do you don't like? So you know. You're, you're basically going to go ahead and choose Le'Veon Bell or James Conner, who's going to have the most total fantasy points based on the scoring system. And if James, um, if James Conner goes ahead and beats Le'Veon Bell and you pick James Conner, now you get a win. And so basically what happens is you're just trying to accumulate the most amount of wins because in the progressive jackpot, if you go as perfect 12-0, you win your share of the $25,000. But if you don't finish... If you don't finish uh, twelve and zero, the best thing about it is that if the top ten percent of the field will go ahead and win nine times their buy-in. So if the contest for the twenty-five thousand is a hundred dollars, it's a hundred plus nine, so a hundred dollars is the actual buy-in. 
you go ahead and you're going to win $900 now and finish in the top 10%, including the confidence ranking. Yeah. No, and 80% of the, the lineups are going to go ahead and be worse than seven and three or, uh, you know, six, you know, 70%. So seven, uh, eight and four, something like that. Interesting. You're going to see most of, most of it's going to land between the three to four win law, uh, win and the seven to eight wins. Nice. You know, so what? all you got to do is be better than 10% of the field and you're going to win nine times your buy-in every week. That's, that's a major, major incentive. Uh, so, before we let you go, because um, we're running a little low on time, I wanted to go over your your five most intriguing matchups for week one, progressive NFL. Yeah, um, I think that the most intriguing matchups are going to be, you know, Le'Veon Bell versus James Conner. I think it's, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell uh, matched up against his former, you know, backup. Um, I think James White, Sony Michelle is an interesting one. I, I really like Stefan Diggs uh, versus that's another matchup we have and these matchups are going to be pretty consistent throughout the year to make it a lot more fun for the uh, average fan because in our game there are no salary caps there are no algorithms there's no roster construction really there you know it's not made for the sharks because we all know that on DraftKings and FanDuel one percent of the players win 99 percent of the money yeah our game is designed for everybody where you can ask for the sharps to win and the the regular guy should win as well because when you have one percent of the players winning all the money, it's not fun for everybody. So FanDuel and DraftKings got to keep getting new blood every week. We're trying to make a game where it's fun. You can go ahead and pick your lineup in ten minutes, not really know a whole lot, sit back and enjoy the entire day of football with your beer or whatever you choose to do, and you know set it and forget it and just sweat it and have a lot of fun. And it's enjoyable up until the last minute of the game. I guarantee it. So where can they, um, besides for the website, which is overlaydfs.com, um, O-V-E-R-L-A-Y-D-F-S.com, where can they find it on, uh, what's the Twitter handle, Instagram handle, so they can follow uh, the updates, see what's going on, see um, any updates on the, on the games, on, on the mobile app. Where, where, can we, uh, where can we find it? What's the handles? Yeah, so uh, we're online at overlaydfs.com. You'll go ahead and sign up. You'll see all the um, different types of tournaments we run because besides for the Progressive, we also run a best record wins game where it's just like the Progressive except the you don't have to be perfect. The top guy wins the, um, the, the first place finisher there, the best record. It doesn't have to be perfect wins the top prize, and, the, and then you still have the 9 or the 5X um, if you finish in the top 10% as well. Gotcha. And, um, and for your the super— The grand prize oh, winner is winning 10% of the money. Sorry, oh. the grand prize winner is winning 10% of the money, and if you finish in the top 10%, you're also getting 9X, uh, 9X your buy-in. But you can, fi- you, can find us on, you can find us on the handles. It's at OverlayDFS on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Gotcha. And um, for those who are interested in following along with your um, with your super contest uh, picks, where can we uh, where can we find those? You can sweat us online uh, in the super contest and on the. We're going to also be playing the circa contest as well, which is a rake free new type of circa uh, super contest as well. Um, we're going to be in as the entry overlay DFS, so you can go ahead and sweat us every week and. You know, uh, hopefully I'll be back on the show and give you an update on how we're doing. Of course, of course. Well, uh, 
Anyway, uh, Ira, thanks so much. Sorry uh, to um, to rush this at the end. We're just running a little short on time, but really interesting stuff. Uh, I look forward to getting involved this weekend um, with progressive lineups um, and the progressive, I should say, contests. Look forward to uh, tracking our um, our pick fives to see how we do, and we're going to have to do this again in the next couple of weeks, and uh, I really appreciate you making the time, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Good stuff, man. Great. I look forward to it. Thanks so much for having me on. I'll talk to you Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Okay? Speak to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again to recurring guest Iris Silver. Uh, Really interesting stuff he's got going on in the daily fantasy world. Uh, A nice little twist on it. I think it's going to be a great game to play. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely check it out this weekend. And that is episode 56 for the love of the game. Take us out French. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.